how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. So what's the secret to a good YouTube thumbnail? That's a question that we answer on today's episode of the show. Then we highlight two videos from two different creators that we think are pushing YouTube forward. We also talk about how we take care of our mental health as creators. Also, are we running out of ads to fund the creator economy? Are there too many creators and not enough ads? That is another question that we get to in this episode. So welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions about the business of being a creator. If you make it to the deep end, let us know. So a lot to talk about yeah. um, on today's creator support. We have um, probably more questions than we've ever had. So we're going to see how many we can get to. And if we don't get to them, we'll, we'll push them to next week or we're trying to answer them across social. We also have some videos that we wanted to react to. Mac from uh, Airax team, Mac Hopkins, uh, released a video in the last week that yep. has kind of taken YouTube by storm. Um, another video by a creator named Colt Kerwin that we're going to react to as well. Um, some really fun YouTube stuff this week. I feel like YouTube's entering a new era. A lot of good energy. A lot of good energy on YouTube right now. So we're going to start with this. Uh, this comes from the subreddit, S underscore MCD1. How can I learn to make better thumbnails? Hmm. With most everything else in the video creation process, it just clicks with me. Nice. I can write a full script in about an hour. When I'm editing, I can just tell where the cuts should be, the effects on screen, and so on. But when it comes to thumbnails, I absolutely blink. All the other stuff comes so naturally and thumbnails just don't. I look through tons of thumbnails in similar genres and I cannot for the life of me think of something original for mine and often end up closely replicating someone else's, which feels icky. How can I learn to create thumbnails so that it clicks like the other stuff that I do? Yeah, I mean, I, we have not figured this out <laughs> by any means. It is something that actually a part of this process will keep me up at night. Yeah. I will wake up and try and make a different thumbnail totally. and I don't like that. Uh, we will have meetings about thumbnails and For brainstorming yeah. and they're stressful. Yeah, yeah. I'm designing stuff and sending it over and I'm already pissed. You know, yeah, like it's not, it's an annoying thing that you have to create this, this um, photo to get people into your idea. But what we've realized, I think, is that if what we film, if our idea is interesting, and it has a direct angle. It's not like a variety show. Mm. If we do a good job, it makes our job easier to package yeah. it, to come up with a title and a thumbnail. Yeah, I, I, you know, we talk to a lot of creators who are very, uh, like it's just come so naturally to them to make thumbnails. Um, and that's just not us. You know, I think if you zoom out, I think there's probably a lot of people who look at our channel and look at our thumbnails and be like, oh, these guys have a style and a format. But I would say every time we sit down with a thumbnail, it feels like we're starting from scratch in a way. The, the one thing that I think is incredibly important is that thumbnails are not necessarily about design. They're about psychology of when someone is, you know, perusing YouTube, what is their intent? The, the type of audience you're looking for, what are they, what are they trying to get to? Mm -hmm. Because there is an active nature to YouTube that's very different from the other platforms, right? Like Instagram, I'm looking for Instagram to feed me content. Yeah. I'm like, Instagram, I got, I got three minutes while I'm waiting for this, you know, to board this plane. 
give me something. I don't want to make any choices. Like, mm-hmm. give me some good stuff. TikTok. Yeah, they're on to you. Give it to me. Give mm-hmm. me someone cleaning their pool. They pools. know you yeah. better than you know you. Yeah. On YouTube, it's like, there's a little bit of like, I open YouTube and I'm kind of looking around, but there's there's a lot of like, I just opened YouTube for a reason. I have 30 minutes. I'm about to eat lunch. I want to learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different intents of going on to YouTube, which is why there's a search bar. It's a very important part of YouTube. There's like an activity that's like, I'm searching for mm-hmm. something. And so we're trying to catch you based on your intent. I don't think necessarily for our channel, we're trying to catch anyone. You know, we're trying to capture the intention of a very specific person looking for a specific thing. So uh, the first question, we we have a thumbnail call with Jay Alto every uh, Wednesday uh, where we spend, you know, an hour plus talking through our upcoming videos. And the first question he always asks us, which I really like, it comes from Seth Godin, um, but it's like, what is remarkable about the idea? Mm. That's number one. Like, and what remarkable means is worth making a remark about. Mm-hmm. So if I pitch you an idea, does it end there? Or is there a conversation that can happen beyond that? Is there something actually worth talking about yeah. based on the idea? Which I think is a great psychological place to start. Mm-hmm. Like, is this actually worth a conversation or not? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, Eric's most recent video was like dating... I don't know what it was called, but it was like a uh, a dating show with a robot. Okay. Already, right? Like I just say that, a dating show with a robot, and you're like, oh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You know, worth making a comment about. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Can the robot talk? And if you have questions that are easy to come, then you know that you might inject enough curiosity in someone's brain to click. That's the thing, right? Like, it's just like, Hey, these five people went on a date with a robot. Which one did she choose? Yeah, which one? How did she choose? How does this work? Mm-hmm. So that's like, I'm curious enough to click. Um, Ali Abdal made a, a video recently of like how he made $1.6 million in a month. That's for a very specific type of person, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's a psychology there of like everyone or a lot of people on the internet are looking for ways to make money, looking for ways to... Um, uh, start a business, drive fulfillment, drive purpose. Okay, this guy made $1.6 million. How did he do that? Yeah, I think what you're talking about there is the curiosity gap. Yeah. Which you want to have in storytelling, but you also want to have in the storytelling of the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Is there something between the title and the thumbnail that is omitted? That yep. if you click, you have the understanding as a viewer that you're going to get the answer to that, right? That, that that curiosity gap will be filled in via the click. Yep. And I, I would say um, the other thing that we've learned is, so Ali's is uh, how I made $1.6 million in 30 days. It's a good, it's a good thumbnail. Uh, it's actually a Shopify uh, logo with $1.6 million. So interesting because he didn't, I don't think he used Shopify to do it um, yeah. through his course. But um, yeah, there's a curiosity gap. But the thing that we've learned um, is don't have the thumbnail and the title be repetitive they should be complimentary. So, you know, you don't need to have it say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It actually should say something totally different um, yeah. or, or like be an extension of the story. So if you look at your thumbnail and then you write the title and you're like, hmm, that's the exact same thing. Yeah. Then you, you need to make an adjustment there mm-hmm. for sure. On the topic of money and including money in a title and thumbnail, I think a mistake that we've been making and perhaps other creators are making is leaning on money to drive a click. 
Yeah. I think money as a topic has become so saturated on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's so over-exaggerated. With Ali Abdal, like, what's interesting is if you know his history, you know that $1.6 million number is real. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. And totally. we've had titles where we just say, like, how they became a millionaire. Mm-hmm. That's not really remarkable anymore. Or, like, how someone made millions. Mm-hmm. There's nothing remarkable anymore about that. What's more interesting is, like, our episode with Ashley Alexander in the thumbnail, there is a realistic number mm-hmm. that is attainable for a creator of her size Right in the thumbnail. And then the title is the business of filming your daily life. So it's not how she made X dollars. And yeah, yeah, there's yeah. some honesty there yeah. to the number. And I think that's important <clears throat> if you're going to incorporate money. So the other thing I want to acknowledge is like the thumbnail is the pitch of your return on investment. So essentially what's happening is as an audience member, you are looking to invest time. And if you're investing, then there's a suggestion of a return. Mm-hmm. So when I look at like Ali Abdal's, one of his videos right now I'm looking at, it says, how I remember everything I read. It's 15 minutes long. And the thumbnail is him looking at a book and a stack of books. Um, now, if I am looking at YouTube and I'm like, hmm, I'm interested in becoming smarter. I'm interested in reading more. Now I'm looking at that 15 minutes, right? Because the time code is also very much a part of your thumbnail. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the 15 minutes and you're saying, if I invest the next 15 minutes with these, this guy, I'm going to learn something about how I can become a smarter person. Everyone is investing in themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so your thumbnail is a pitch on what that return is going to be on that 15 minutes. Yeah. So that is the promise of you are going to become a smarter individual, mm-hmm. right? There's this great uh, Seth Godinism about nobody wants a quarter inch drill bit, where he's essentially saying like, when someone goes to the hardware store to buy a quarter inch drill bit, they don't want the quarter inch drill bit. What they want is the feeling of going home and hanging up the frame that they told their wife they were going to hang up and they're, they're like actually doing it and mm-hmm. accomplishing something and then sitting with their family and being like, look, I, I did it. I did that project that I said I was going to do. Like th- they want the end result of being that person. Mm-hmm. So a YouTube video is essentially, and a thumbnail is essentially a pitch for the person you could become. Mm-hmm. And that thumbnail is the poster that's pitching you that. It's a lot of information, but that's like psychologically how we think about Mm -hmm. thumbnails is we're pitching you. And for us, we have to think about it on a scale of like, you know, our time codes are in the hours. So we're pitching you big time. You know, we're like, Mm -hmm. spend the next two hours here. We got to pitch you what you're going to learn. Like, why should you spend an hour and a half with us? It's a difficult challenge. And I don't think we've cracked the code by any means. Mm -mm. But I think we've, I I wouldn't say that we haven't. No, I would say we're we're on our way, but like we've improved. Yeah, I I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say we haven't because there's also a level that, you know, Mr. Beast, when we were with him, I loved this advice. He said, think about the most hyperbolic version of your idea. What's the most ridiculous Mm. version of it? You know, like pitch that to me and then pull it back to your brand, pull it back to what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I love the exercise of going as far out as you can with the idea and saying the most clickbaity, most insane version of your idea and then dialing it back to what you're comfortable with. What's on brand for you to say? Yep. I think that's, that's also like, there might be a level like for us where our brand doesn't allow us to go to the absolute 
highest CTR version of a thumbnail mm-hmm. because we want to uphold certain values, right? So that's also an element for us mm-hmm. that's important. I think for all creators, you should think about brand. All right. Should we talk about Mac's video? Yeah, let's talk about Mac. Okay. So Mac, Mac Hopkins, uh, member of Eric's crew, really the earliest member of Eric's crew. When Eric first started, Mac was, you know, the first team member that was introduced. Mm-hmm. He was the editor and he introduced this like, he's just like unbelievable editor, like just mm-hmm. dynamite with effects and just a great storyteller. Very technical. There would be Very seconds technical. of the video that yeah. you knew took an hour. Yeah. And um, launched his own channel. And that channel launch in, in Eric's video about dating the robot was mentioned three times, uh, which is amazing because that like, you know, pushes over mm-hmm. a ton of that audience, which I love. I love the expansion of a YouTube crew. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite things on YouTube. Um, and Max channel launch was received like so positively. Yeah. The, the first video has over a million views. Yeah. He's gained, I think almost 300,000 subscribers. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And watching the video, um, there was some really interesting nuance to it that I think we should talk about. Um, you know, he kind of fit into the world. The video title is uh, AI Controls My Life for 100 Hours, right? Yeah. Something around that. Mm-hmm. Which is a concept that is, you know, kind of going around, right? Like people being like, oh, ChatGPT controls my day or AI controls my life. Um, but what was interesting with Mac, um, first of all, the intro is like very interesting when he punches the robot in the head. That was fun. Yeah. But- that is a concept. And a lot of people have done that concept. And we've talked about this before with the idea-based creator, where it's about the idea. It's about mm-hmm. the concept. That's what's at the forefront. Yeah. And on the other side, we talk about the relationship-based creator, which is you know someone who can just, sit, Ludwig, right? Sit in front of a frame, talk to you unedited, and you're like in it. You, they can control a frame. And what Mac did, I think, is he took the you know idea or concept-based genre and injected his personality into it in a way that maybe we haven't seen before. You know, when 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 you're watching, um, you know, a challenge video, you don't really know much about the challenge master, right? The person who's in the challenge. You don't know that much about them. They're just I pushing forward the challenge. I think you do in the early innings of the channel, a lot of times. Yeah, true. Right? Because even in Eric's early videos, the, the crew was so much smaller Mm -hmm. and they had so many more constraints around what they could make that it was hard to not learn about Mm. Eric and about Mac in the videos. I think it's, it's a, it's part of a trend of challenge creators specifically getting so large and productions getting so built out that I think they start to value the size and scale of the spectacle, Mm. the, the speed of how the challenge is happening. And as that starts to work, perhaps devalue the time spent just with them where you get to learn more about them True. as people. Right. So I think Max in that, in that area, and I hope he stays in that mm. where he's doing a challenge video, but is giving the audience more about himself. Right. He's like letting the audience sit yeah. with him for a little longer than maybe we're used to in traditional challenge video. Totally. And, and saying things about himself that are irrelevant to the challenge, but relevant to him as a human being. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that's a, 
like so much of where YouTube has come is like stripping out what's unnecessary to the progression of the storyline. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that has been cut is personality, like vulnerability, personality, character driven narratives. I don't think so in the case of Ryan Trahan. No, not I Ryan. think Ryan, like, you don't maybe consider him as like the I barely consider him challenge video. I, I barely consider him in that genre. Yeah. Um, but he is someone who comes up with some sure. task yeah. and then goes I did and, X for Yeah, and X goes time, and accomplishes yeah. it. And yeah. he is uh indexed very it, high on yeah. personality moments, right? It's hard for me to consider him in that world because like, you know, one of his challenges is building a tiny ecosystem in his room. Mm-hmm. It's just so not sensational. And like most of the challenge genre is like a very sensational title thumbnail, mm-hmm. um, which back to the thumbnail conversation is like, you're pitching someone that like, if you invest these next 20 minutes with me, you're going to get crazy visuals you've never seen before. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the pitch, right? Of mm-hmm. the challenge genre. You're going to see stakes higher than you've ever seen. You're going to see craziness that you haven't seen on YouTube yet. That's the pitch. Um, but I think what Trahan does well, is like the pitch is, you're going to see me go through a, an experience. Mm. Like you're going to see, you're going to see me in a situation that you haven't seen me before. I think what I would like to see out of challenge creators is what yes theory has done in the past. You know, yes theory now goes on unbelievable adventures, mm-hmm. but every once in a while they'll upload a video where it's maybe just Thomas. Yeah. Talking, talking in yeah, his apartment yeah, yeah, yeah. about what's going on with him and what's going on with the company and what's going on with the channel. And then the next video will be an adventure. Yeah. I would love to see from Eric mm-hmm. and from Mac every once in a while, a video where it's just them yeah, seated, talking totally. about what's happening. My two favorite videos from Eric and, and Mr. Beast uh, from, from Eric, I told him this when, it, when he put it out. It was like him sitting on a bench talking about the channel and the experience of like getting close to a million subs, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite videos because yeah. like looking us in the eyes telling us about his experience. And my, one of my favorite videos, I said this to read on our, on our podcast episode with him was when Jimmy didn't eat for 30 days uh, because there were so many moments where he looked at the camera and just said how he was feeling. And we got to see him in like these real environments. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think all that to say, like I also personally have a craving right now to, to sit and talk to a camera like the way that Thomas does. And I'll admit that it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to be, fully yourself mm-hmm. talking to a camera. So I understand that like vulnerability is not an easy skill to learn because you also don't want to be manufactured with it. Totally. You don't want to be like, okay, now's my time to sit down and be vulnerable. Um, I, sometimes I don't think you need to think about it as vulnerability though. There's a little bit of just good storytelling where actions mean nothing without implications, right? Mm-hmm. Like letting chat mm-hmm. GPT control your day yeah. means nothing. nothing. Yeah. Unless we know that Mac, as he says in the video, is lonely yeah, and is actually on a search for human connection. Chat GPT control sure, your sure. day. Anyone can do. The, the best- Someone who tells me that like they're lonely, they're, and I guess that is vulnerable, but it's also an effort just to connect you to why mm-hmm. he's even doing this challenge right, in the right, first right. place. And I think that is essential for just storytelling in general. If you're going to have an action, yeah. the audience needs to understand the implication first of what will happen mm-hmm. and why this action matters. Si- the Simon Sinek quote, which is, uh, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, yeah. which is like so incredibly important. But the amazing one-two punch of that is that in Eric's video, it's the first time they 
uh, talk about, which has been a subject of Eric's videos, is Mac and his girlfriend. Mm. And the fact that he's been in a long distance relationship, he doesn't see her very often. Yeah. This career has kind of taken him out of that relationship. And in Eric's video, they disclose that Mac and his girlfriend have broken up. Mm. And then Mac's video, he opens up about being lonely. So I think yeah. it was like, it's also like the implications feel real there um, too, because they are. It's like, oh man, this dude is out of a relationship and now he's, yeah. you know, over here talking about. But yeah, I think um, I think going through a real life experience, I like that, like that has real implications mm -hmm. is, is what's important. When it feels weird is when it's like, this has no bearing on, like I can't connect to why this has a bearing on this person's life. Yeah. I think for me, one of the most impactful moments, you know, if we're looking at the challenge genre, Mr. Beast clearly is yeah. at the top of that and has uh, really like revolutionized what that genre is. For him, he always says, and he said this in our interview with him a lot, I just want to make the best videos possible. I mm -hmm. want to be the biggest creator and I want to make the best videos possible. Even that is hard to latch onto of why. But in right. that interview, if you learn that he was kind of uncomfortable as a kid, mm -hmm. didn't have many friends, mm -hmm. and then YouTube was where he found joy yeah. and friendship. Like yeah. his friends became community, people who were into yeah. YouTube and community. Mm -hmm. Then you realize why he's taking the actions he's taking. Right. Why does he want to become the biggest creator, the biggest, make the best videos? Because those videos, that community like raised him in a certain way and yeah. like made him who he is. He cares about it deeply from a young age, mm -hmm. right? Like that's why it matters and that's why it's interesting or it became more interesting for me after interviewing him to continue watching his videos because mm -hmm. I understood yeah. the implications of the actions. Yeah, it's good. I like that. Um, I want to talk about Colt. Kerwin's video too. Man, Colt Kerwin. Dude, that that video inspired me. Like that was I was if, okay, so if you haven't watched Colt Kerwin's video or if you don't know who he is, um Colt is uh, a creator on YouTube who's been working with a bunch of different creators. Uh the video explores how he got into working with creators. So if you're if you're interested in working with YouTubers, it's a great video to watch because he explains how he got jobs with Steezy Kane, Kelly Wakasa, and even filmed for Casey Neistat. Um, and we'll link the video in the YouTube description as well as uh, on Spotify and in the pod notes. Um, but man, was this creatively inspiring. Whoa. Like the, he, he shoots with this fisheye lens on a city bike in New York City. And it, it felt like I was watching a movie like I, I really it was, so it was real filmmaking like when he dude he's laved up it's shot from across the way in New York City yeah. and he walks into a 7-Eleven and you can hear the audio I like, love that oh yeah. my god it was so good it was funny because it was so aspirational to me the video that he made and his life in New York City traveling around seeing all the other creators yeah and I was thinking like, this is unbelievable. I may be 12, 13 years older than Colt Kerwin, <laughs> yeah. but I'm watching this and I'm like, damn. Yeah. 12 years ago, when you and I started making videos, this and we learned dream. about Casey yeah. Neistat, yeah, we yeah. learned about creators. It was like, if only I could yeah. have been yeah. Colt Kerwin <laughs> back then. That's totally. what I was yeah. feeling as I was yeah. watching it. I was just like, oh, it's so good. It's so creative. It's so smooth. The, the shots are fun. Yeah, yeah. He's honest in it. Like it's like these, he's cool and collected on camera. New York City is the backdrop. He's got this crew of creators. Mm -hmm. There's this scene there. Yeah. I just was like dying inside and happy yeah. at the same time. I was so excited that this scene exists and that he exists. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. That video, 
felt like we were entering, like between that and Max video, I was like, I think we're entering a new chapter of YouTube where like, I think the level of the up leveling of creativity is just like, there's like these peaks of people now starting to come in and being like, how do I push this whole thing a little bit forward? So what we talked about with Austin Cleon of like the, you know, the real originality is when someone's taking a scene and like pushing the whole scene forward. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some of these moments are starting to take place right now where like the scene is getting pushed forward. Mac pushed forward a little bit. Colt just pushed forward in this way of like, what does the modern vlog look like? I feel like Colt's video was like this just new version of like, how do you tell a story about yourself? Which was, I feel like the first time I really became enamored with it was Casey. Um, but the way Colt did it was just like so unique to me. Mm -hmm. And it was based on a lot of different things that have happened in the past. It's not like pure, purely like brand new, but he just like, took this step. And the more that we as creators see these things working, the more people will get connected to them, which is such an interesting part of the creator economy, right? Is that this like public view count is this vote of like, like Colt's video is doing well. Max video is doing well. Mm -hmm. So now people are like, oh, maybe you do, maybe it is important to tell stories about yourself and, you know, talk about implications of your real life. And yeah, I just think that's like an interesting moment in time right now. I think also- I think there's something specifically happening in New York. Yeah, I agree. These uh, younger creators who are in their early 20s, a lot of them, like Casey Neistat inspired, are now in New York where he was building his career. And they're, yes, they're vlogging, they're using elements of Casey, but then they're also doing these scripted segments mm -hmm. and making little sets and scenes. Like Jordan yeah, Stuttered the, has done this too. Grouch. Yeah, yeah, like when Colt is in a... Okay, so like, I, think, I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should but, go watch it. Yeah, if you have But it. there's a moment where Colt is trying to get from point A to point B, and he very easily could have just walked through the door of point B. Right. But instead, he drafts this like scripted, strange piece where he's like going through a trash can, going through a tunnel, like a secret portal to yeah. get there. And it's just so good. It's so good. And the yeah. character there is played by Tejas, who we know. Yeah. Like, it was just a who's who of the New York young scene. scene yeah. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Like, honestly, great work, Colt. I hope you keep creating. I would love to watch more of your stuff. And I think to every, like, kind of young filmmaker, creator, like, YouTube is still the place to express yourself. Like, it, it, it is still, it's not just a place for creative entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. It's also a place for creative expression. and. I think what's really cool about Colt and what I hope he can retain is like Colt is a creative. He's working with other people. He's uh, hopefully, you know, making income from, you know, the jobs he's doing. And then making this piece was purely, like it wasn't sponsored by anyone. Yeah. It was just like, that's, Colt spent hours making that. Mm -hmm. Hours and days and weeks. And like, I know that took a long time to make. Yeah. I remember when he was posting Instagram stories of like the rig he used on the city bike. That was like six weeks ago or something. Yeah. You know, like that took a long time to make. And it was such a great creative expression. It just makes me want to like have an outlet where I'm not thinking about the, any other implications, you know, it's just like, just, just making something. Yeah. I, um, I think to your point about YouTube being the home for this, I think, you know, what Colt pulled off is difficult 
and it's only one video, mm-hmm. right? Like he's got other videos on his channel that are great, but this one is like taking off. This one grabbed our attention. It's grabbed a lot of people's attention. If you're able to do it even once to like make a long form video that grabs someone's attention and they watch the whole thing, they may never forget it. Like I'm never going to forget the way I felt last mm-hmm. night watching this video. Yeah. Being like, did you see that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Stopping it, yeah. going back and watching. I'm just not going to forget that experience of those 12 minutes or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And now when he uploads another one, like I'm there, even if it's in six months. Yeah, totally. That's different. Totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, this comes from the subreddit from JM Something Helpful. May is mental health month. Being a public creator is very vulnerable and a challenging thing. Even as someone who spent several years as a mental health counselor, it still gets to me. I would absolutely love if one episode of Creator Support during the month of May was dedicated to how to care for your mental health as a creator. Yo, Colin and Samir, you are both humans with brains, so undoubtedly you've experienced mental health issues during your creator career journey. Why not share a bit about it to the extent that you're comfortable with and what has helped you guys Keep going to be success, the successes that you are now. Bonus points if the ad revenue is donated to a mental health-related cause. That's cool. I, I like, like the idea. declaration there that we're both humans with brains. Mm, that is good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being a creator is uh, is definitely a like psychological exercise, <laughs> you know, especially for as long as we've been doing it at the um, at the variability that we've done it, you know, Mm -hmm. meaning like the, the high highs, the low lows and the very long periods in the middle. Um, that, that is like a psychological exercise for sure. You learn a lot about yourself primarily because you just, you have made this decision to, uh, commodify or productize yourself. Yeah. it's, It's easy to get into an unhealthy obsession with self. Of course. And I think, you know, no matter who you are, whether you're a creator or not, you're thinking about yourself, right? And how people perceive you. But I found it to be extremely difficult. And there's also numbers that literally value self, right? Like there's yeah. there's viewership numbers, there's ranking numbers in the YouTube studio, there's dollar numbers in brand deals. And those, num- those numbers are associated with your worth. Mm-hmm. Like what is coming out of your brain, what's coming out of your mouth, how you are portraying yourself is valued. I think sometimes even worse, I mean, I'm not the first one to say this, but I find comments sometimes to be much worse than yeah. a view metric. You know, I, mm-hmm. I have gone through phases of not even wanting to look at the comments and we have pretty sure. positive, good comments. I think what's funny is when I don't want to look at the comments is when I'm having a negative feeling towards our creations. Mm. When I'm like, we're not, are we not making something of substance? Are we not making what we actually believe in right now? And whenever I feel like that is when I slowly tiptoe on my phone to YouTube studio and I'm like, where is it? Where's the negativity? Give it to me. Tell me that I'm right. Tell Mm. me that I'm actually making something terrible right now. And then I find it. I'm like, there's the one comment. Yeah, they know. And then I'll screenshot it and send it to you. And I'll be like, see, we're making bad stuff, dude. I hate when you do that. And that that is the spiral of like, you know, deep um, obsession with with like uh, how others are perceiving you, which is the whole, like largely what we're doing. Strange that we're looking for confirmation that we're as bad as we think we are. Yeah. So strange that that is even a behavior Mm -hmm. that you would go through the comments to be like, you know what? I'm feeling a little insecure. I have an inkling that I'm not doing my best work and that this is not good. I need to find someone. Let me find some stranger Mm -hmm. in the comments. Who's validating. Let me find one comment amongst thousands that validates 
this belief that I have that I'm not good at my job totally. or good at what I'm doing or have any. Yeah. Yeah. That's very strange. It, it's very strange. Um, because you'll, you'll go through mounds of positivity to get there. And, uh, at least that's something that I feel like I've gone through and have become more aware of, but I always try and like take a few steps back and be like, okay, the issue is that maybe I'm not making work that I wholeheartedly believe in. So then I'm seeking out I need someone to tell me that I need, mm. I'm like seeking out someone else's perspective to be like, yeah, it's bad. And I want that so that I can like push myself to change. Um, but the whole thing I think is like, the question is around like, how have you dealt with this? Like it oscillates. It's, it's a up and down thing. I think um, when I've been at my best is when I've like settled into routines that allow me to spend a lot of time with myself and understanding again, like, what do I believe in? What do I want to put forth? And when I've been at my worst is when I'm seeking out my own personality and my own identity through comments, views, and metrics. Hmm. And that oscillates. Like there's times like, you know, we went pretty viral on a couple of platforms in the past two weeks. And that's been this new weird experience of like on Instagram, we had a video that did almost 10 million views. And that's like a whole new experience, a whole new high of like, I've never felt this virality mm. on this platform where more of my friends hang out. And, you know, I was telling you, I was at a coffee shop and the barista was like, very calmly looked at me and was like, Hey man, you're going pretty viral on Instagram right now. And I was like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was weird. And it's, uh, you're dealing with a whole new high that then sets a new bar for like the explosive dopamine you expect from mm. your work. I'm going on about this, but it's a- uh, No, I, yeah. I think for me, I've had to think about the fact that I consider some of our best work and my best work to have done, to have been done under very stressful circumstances. Yeah, true. Short timelines, mm -hmm. no money, and frankly, things that could never be repeated because they were so awful yeah. to <laughs> yeah, make. Yeah, yeah. Now we're making things that are easier to make. I don't know if it's our best work, Mm. but I am happier with the time that I have to myself, mm. right? Or to my partner and the lifestyle that I have. And the, there's much more consistency. Yeah. You and I are both, and I think a lot of creatives are very inconsistent people. Yeah. Right? Now, luckily, we have a framework for our creativity that's a little bit more consistent. And that's not necessarily easy. And it, I don't know if it produces the best work, but I think it's healthier. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, I, I think our work is bad right now by any means. Like no, I'm very no, proud yeah. of what we're making. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still stand by it wholeheartedly. But when I rank it up against our capabilities, which our storytelling capabilities, which I consider to be like, we could make a documentary. Mm -hmm. We could do this. I believe we can do so many things. You know, a podcast does not push you to your limits of your storytelling capabilities. For sure. It's a different skill set. It's a different yeah, type yeah, of yeah. thing. So that's what I'm saying. I'm like, there are things that we could be doing that are much more stressful, much more uncertain. And the, the reward would be really high. If it doesn't go well, then I would feel really poorly about myself. What's your level of craving for that right now? It's complicated because it's high. Yeah. And I'm really trying to study documentaries right now and storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to do it. I'm watching stuff on YouTube that I'm really inspired by now. And I want to do it. But I also know how many years you and I spent doing that, yeah. both commercially and on YouTube making no money, and how difficult that was, and how kind of unhappy I was, yeah. and what a roller coaster it was. So it's tough. I want to do it, 
but I want to figure out how to do it within the confines of uh, a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm craving some like explosive creativity right now for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to let you know that. <laughs> um, but again, to the question, it's like you got to develop habits and routines that um, keep you settled in when something goes really well, you actually don't want to go super high with it because your baseline gets really confusing. Like if you, if the confetti comes out of the screen when you get a one out of 10 on YouTube studio and you're like, this is now a good day. Um, that's a dangerous place to be mm-hmm. because you know, there's a new number of factors that can go into getting a five out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. And I've lived in that experience of like going up and down with that ranking scale. Um, and I've also had moments where I'm not even tuned into the ranking scale. And that's a really, like, if you have your own personal ranking scale and the things you look forward to, or like things that happen in a day that you can control and that, um, are lifestyle based. I think that's when, that's whenever I've been at my best is when I'm like, oh, I'm really looking forward to, to journaling at a coffee shop this morning. I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, having dinner with this person. Like those things are my like baseline of, okay, this is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not riding the highs and lows of creativity because what I've learned now at, you know, 33 years old is to stay in this for as long as we want to stay in this it's like being on a sports team. You're going to win and you're going to lose. It's like almost guaranteed to have an undefeated season is really challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're going to lose some games. And if you can settle into that, then you become a lot more stable. Did you hear Jonas's post game? Uh, Call him Jonas? Jonas. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I knew I was going to butcher that. Yeah, I did. Jonas's post game yeah. speech mm-hmm. about failure. failure. He's mm-hmm. like, there's no failure in sports. There's good days. There's bad days. Yeah. I really liked that. I resonated with that mm-hmm. a lot, as did tons of people because it was shared everywhere. Yeah, shared everywhere. Um, but I appreciated that because I feel like people think sports is so binary mm-hmm. and it's easy to think that creativity is binary because there are numbers now and there are rankies, rankings. Rankies? Too much coffee. Yeah. Much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're buzzing right yeah, now. <laughs> buzzing. Um, but you know what I mean? It's easy mm-hmm. to think that it's binary, but it's not. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's very important to be like, to set goals around your mental health, to uh, become very aware of, of, how to track your mental health, your sleep, like all of the above. I think you have to, the same way that we would spend time like or spend money on a on a fitness trainer or a, um, you know, a, a, like a healthy meal, like spending time and money on your own mental and physical well-being, incredibly important. I don't think I realized that in my 20s. I always thought it was, it was a worthy sacrifice uh, in exchange for career progression. But um, if you want to be in it for the long haul, you have to get tuned into that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Back to some of the, the mental health conversation and a bit of, uh, seeking out comments that are the negative thoughts in your own head. We've put out two shorts about AI and a long form interview with, with Miles Fisher, who's deep fake Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And I had this concern in my head where like those shorts and reels went very viral. And I was like, are people seeing us as like pure like AI guys now? It's mm-hmm. just like, even though we've only put out two <laughs> pieces. Yeah. Uh, but here's a tweet to respond to it. Seeing Colin and Samir slowly turn into AI bros is so discouraging. Watching what was once a channel made to celebrate and help online creators start to focus so heavily on something fundamentally anti-creator is astonishingly sad. Yeah. I mean... I don't believe it to be fundamentally anti-creator. Mm. 
um, it's interesting because a lot of people have shared our shorts or our reels about these new AI tools. And they've added copy to them when they've shared it through saying, creatives, you got to go look for jobs. Yeah. You're all going to lose your jobs. You're all going to lose your jobs. And it's interesting that the piece of content we made was a vehicle for people to say that. Yeah. That they're, that basically like as a creator are going to be replaced. And that of course is not our intention to make videos that make people feel like they have no hope in this career. Our intention First off, is matched with our interest. We're extremely interested right yeah. now in yeah. AI and these tools. They're fascinating. And how they're aiding our creativity, not how they're replacing it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it still comes down to, as Miles Fisher said on our episode with him, how you make people feel. The tools are going to change. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right? They've always been changing. The best thing, uh, like, one of the things I loved that he said was about the advent of the camera. And we put out a reel about this, too. He said, look, when the, when the camera was invented— um, the art community was like, oh, painters are done. Yeah. They're gone. Like, cause this, this tool can now make something more realistic than an oil painting. Mm-hmm. But like, we still pay money to go to museums and look at paintings, right? Like painters yeah. still exist to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like, it, the one thing I think everyone should recognize, you know, is that um, there's no stopping what's happening mm-hmm. with technology right now it's not going to stop. So I would advise everyone to, to, to learn about it, like get, get involved and learn about it, especially if you're a creator. Now, the other side of it is that I think probably that we have not acknowledged enough the, um, the ne- negative impacts mm-hmm. of what's happening and how accessible AI and um, deep faking and, you know, synthetic media and like how that in the wrong hands, which there are many wrong hands on the internet um, or in the world is incredibly negative. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you control this? How do you control uh, someone like us who we don't want our voice replicated and saying something over there, or we don't want our faces on something, or um, you know, like th- th- that? I don't know how you how you stop that right now. Um, and there are negative impacts. Oh, of it, absolutely. Of There's no doubt. I, I, you know, just because we put out videos about the positive impacts does not mean by any means we're like forgetting about the negative impacts. There are a lot of really uh, bad things happening to creators, especially women, where sure. like people are using AI to create like porn yeah. with their faces and mm-hmm. their name, image, and likeness. Yeah. Uh, and it's awful. And that like needs to be regulated, right? Like the, yeah. the, there's going to have to be so much regulation and also uh, verification. TikTok already announced. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, some new rules around verification if you put out something that's made with a deep fake mm-hmm. that you have to acknowledge. And if you don't, you get like stripped from the platform. Yeah. It's going to be tough to, to navigate through it and verify all of it. But I do think uh, it's something that like the government and the platforms need to work hand in hand yeah, to figure out because it's just going to come in even greater mm-hmm. numbers. I, I think there's also an exciting angle of AI though. Like, yeah, m- and that's why like, we've made videos about yeah, it. I'm not yeah, saying there, also there's not an exciting angle like of it. There's an excitement to it that is going to unlock a lot of new things. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I think sometimes I have conversations with people that underplay it, you know, or like kind of don't want to acknowledge how much things are going to change. But my, my opinion is that this is the biggest shift since we were introduced to the internet. 
like I, I, you know, this, I've like stayed up at night, late at night, you know, exploring tools and come in and shown you things that I'm like, dude, that can you believe this is something that can be made? So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to unlock a whole new world of, of creation. But like Miles said, it's how you make people feel. It's like the, the, the storytellers still matter deeply. They're going to just use the tool. Mm -hmm. Um, to create. So focus on becoming a storyteller and having really good taste in, you know, what to put forward and then use the tools to make that stuff. That's mm-hmm. just, that's my opinion on it. All right. Question from Twitter, from Pars. Are we running out of ads to fund the creator economy? The supply of creators is growing due to technological advancements, social platforms, and the gig economy, making it easier for people to create and share content reach a wider audience and work as freelancers? It is an interesting question because the majority of, of this industry is based off advertising. Yeah. And there has been a surplus of advertising. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's starting to change. Yeah. Well, I actually don't know if the ad dollars are going to change. or are just going to get more spread out mm. because as an advertiser, there's a couple different philosophies. One, I could go all in with someone, right? Mm-hmm. I can find my Michael Jordan and, do my Air Jordan thing, you know, Nike Air Jordan thing, um, you know, and go all in on one person. Mm -hmm. Or I can do the Skillshare thing and spread it across many, many, many creators Mm -hmm. and say, let me cast the widest net. Skillshare, Squarespace, you know, these types of brands that you see across an incredibly wide net of creators. That philosophy um, might become more prevalent of let me spread this across many different creators mm-hmm. and those rates might all lower, right? Mm-hmm. I'm willing to spread it, but I'm going to take the same 10 grand and instead of giving it to two creators at five grand each, I'm going to give it to 10 creators at one grand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is a very likely scenario where it's like, I don't think we're running out of ads. I think the more creators just might mean that ad rates go down for the middle tier of mm-hmm. creators. The top tier the, the people who are creating significant impact on audiences at in the scale of millions and millions and millions of people will likely still get the big deals where someone wants to go all in with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think, I think that's still a very likely scenario. What, what's going to happen is probably people who were, you know, considered micro creators or micro influencers in the past will likely see a bump in their ad rates. People in the middle class will see a decrease in their ad rates and mm-hmm. people in the top tier might see more money. Um, yeah. that It's just the distribution of ad dollars is going to change based on how many more creators there are. And it, and it may get a little bit more competitive slash the rules may change for what becomes valuable to advertisers. Yeah. Because views will be, you know, like you've said before, not all views are created equal, Yeah. right? Like views, as hard as they can seem to get for creators are actually in a way, from a macro perspective, easy to come by in the creator economy. There is like a ton of viewership (laughs) out there. But uh, where I think we will see advertisers shift and start to really look towards is who's really having impact. And that's harder to gauge, right? Like you can look at comments, Mm -hmm. you can look at likes on the video, you can look at Twitter and see who's talking about what. but that a lot of times is like a vote of confidence from the advertiser. Totally. Making a partnership with a creator that they truly believe uh, represents the value prop they want to represent is truly having impact to the people that they want to impact. Yeah, there's uh, Goldman Sachs put out a report 
said the size of the the market of the creator economy right now is 250 billion today and is expected to double in 2027 to half a trillion dollars. Um, so like, I think advertising spend is going to go up, but yeah, the distribution just is probably going to change. The, mm. the, the best way to future-proof yourself or safeguard yourself is to uh, provide real value to real people. Yeah. That's like the simplest form of this, right? Mm. Is like, are you are you providing real value to real people or are you providing value to a platform, like to an algorithm? Mm -hmm. Are you feeding into the TikTok for you page or are there real people seeking out your stuff? Mm -hmm. um, that's the question you have to answer right now and like dig into how to create value for people. Because if you're creating value, then there's many different ways to monetize. Mm -hmm. If you're not creating real value, there's only one way, which is like platform-based ads. Mm. And that, that could substantially lower or go away. Something semi-related that I found interesting this morning. So the writers just went on strike yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. And I was listening to the podcasts about it. And part of the reason that writers in Hollywood are going on strike, and there's about 9,200 of them, is that as their work ends up on streaming platforms, there are less residuals than there are on cable, which is advertising-backed. And this was like a different model because streamers keep all of their metrics and their numbers to themselves. Mm. So yeah. on this episode I was listening to, they were saying, you know, whether you're Wednesday, the hit show on Netflix, or some five-episode run of a show that doesn't really get watched, yeah. you get paid whatever you got paid yeah. to do that gig. Success does not play into you getting rewarded mm -hmm. in the long tail for your work. And I was thinking about how unique it is, actually, that on YouTube— we do have residuals. Yeah, totally. In that if our videos are good and they get watched five years from now and there's still advertising, we will make money from that work five years ago. Mm -hmm. That it's so unique, actually, that YouTube has cracked that code. Yeah, totally. Right? To like pay artists and creatives. Yeah. Years after their work is done. And, you know, that is something that traditionally in entertainment, if you made a TV show like Seinfeld and you were a writer and they ran it, they still run it to this day, you get paid for that. Mm -hmm. I think one of the challenges is that um, traditional media has built this habit of it costing a lot of money to make. Mm. Like the reason James Corden's show is off the air, did you see this? The, the, it cost $45 million to, to make his show. And Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, the, the, the show made $45 million. It cost $65 million to make. Mm. It's a guy, it's a talk show. Yeah. Like how many talk shows, like we do a talk show. Mm -hmm. It's not that expensive to make. You I know, mean, we're not doing carpool karaoke. You know, we're not doing those numbers. Sure, but like, but. think about how many different ways you could make carpool karaoke. That's not an expensive format. You know, like they, they just have, have built this habit of spending a lot of money on a lot of people and a lot of like, the traditional world just has a lot of uh, habits that they have to probably undo. Well, that's a lot of the pain points that I think the writers are facing right now is that they have these things called like mini rooms. Yeah. Where shows are getting made with just fewer people. Mm. And they're just realizing like, we don't need maybe as many people right. as we needed in the past. And right. I think that's, that's a tough thing for an industry to go through. Yeah. All right. We are officially in the deep end. Now, I don't want this to ruin our chances of going, but the Met Gala is objectively weird. Okay, I'd like to redact that from the show because <laughs> okay. I've said this many times before. I would like to go to the Met Gala. But I was just like looking at 
like the outfits. And then I started thinking about like the concept that I was looking at the outfits and like that everyone was there just looking at these strange, weird cat outfits. And I was like, this hmm. is, I, again, I'd like to go one time. I'm actually surprised that but after this many years, you're now realizing the Met is weird. I think because of, it was the theme like cats this year? I don't know what the theme was, but the theme is always whatever it is. And then it's on the people who attend so to many, go totally nuts. There's just so many cats this year. And I was like, hmm. And you don't like cats. I don't like, maybe that's the Make issue. it a dog theme. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you'll show up. Yeah. Or a pasta theme. All right. A video question from two guys sitting in a car who look exactly how we used to look sitting in a car, which hmm. making me miss sitting in a car. All right. Let's see this video question. Hey, Colin. And Samir. Uh, when you're starting out as a creator and you meet bigger creators and big figures in the creator economy, what is the best way to conduct yourself without being too needy or fanboyish? Watch the breakdown. Oh, man. Nice. Breakdown intro branding was so fantastic. Good. Yeah, we yeah, used that yeah, audio yeah, yeah, clip yeah. from yeah. the Drake song. Oh, so yeah. good. Okay, so we've been on uh, multiple sides of this. The one side we've been on was the first time we met Casey Neistat was mm -hmm. a complete explosion of word vomit, word vomit, f uh, fandom. We need to tell you everything about us so that you can praise. Please validate, validate us. us. Yeah, yeah. Like just a, a complete explosion disaster yeah. of uh, what not to do. We felt very strange. I felt sick after that. After yeah, that encounter. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. I would say now, um, it's a hard thing to do because the, like these people live in your imagination that, you mm -hmm. know, you look up to and that you, you aspire to be like, and then when you meet them in real life, they're, they're people just, they're yeah. just, a, it's a person. And, and mainly they don't have any context on you. They have no context on you. They really probably don't have any time or space to add you to their, you know, life the, to, even like, and in that moment, they, their default is like, I'd like to move on from whatever you're about to say, you know, and not to say that in a negative way. There's a lot like for, for us, when I meet someone, like I'd like to, one of my favorite things is after we give a talk like at like South by Southwest or vid summit or something, just standing and talking to people for the next hour and a half, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm super open to that. I like that. I like that context. If I am at a coffee shop looking to get a coffee and leave and you come up and start pitching me something, I'm not really, interested in that. Mm -hmm. um, we get a lot of resumes via email. We get a lot of pitches for like, hey, I'll come do anything for you um, through Instagram DM. Like that's not, it's just, it's really hard to have space and time for that at the moment. Um, so the way that we've seen it is like, as we were kind of coming up and, and meeting people was like, there is a level of like, value exchange you have to be aware of that like this person is probably evaluating their time in mm -hmm. a way that's like you know where is is their value to this moment not like are you valuable as a human being but like does this connect with something i'm doing or problem i'm trying to solve mm -hmm. is typically what someone is thinking about um i mean that's what worked for colt Kerwin. Mm -hmm. you know steezy kane put on his instagram that yeah. he needed help with someone to film right colt replied and then you know, is solving a problem for him. Solved a problem. Yeah. But, and sometimes I do want to acknowledge that that problem might be like, I'm in the, in the certain moment, like lacking some level of like human connection or like want someone to talk to and make me laugh or something. I don't know. But like, uh, there's that, there's a bit of like timing and, and context that matters. Mm -hmm. So again, like I'm open to the conversation at a panel discussion 
right afterwards. Not so open if I'm out to dinner with my wife. Yeah. Right. It, so yeah. like when you're connecting with someone, like context matters a lot. I think it depends if 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 the goal of your interaction is to work with the person that you're going up to meet, you should have an understanding of that and know that it's probably not the best time to try and make it happen. Yeah. Right. If I stuff could takes a long time. Yeah. Redo our interaction with Casey Neistat when we met him for the first time. I really would have just said thank you for everything you've done to inspire what we currently do. Really enjoyed your talk. And then maybe one specific thing about how he's inspired me or why I'm like gracious. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like why I'm appreciative. And then leave it at that. And if he wants to continue a conversation, continue the conversation. I'd also say if you want to be peers with someone, act like they're peer. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's the thing that's, it gets uncomfortable when someone doesn't act like, you, you know, if someone wants to be your peer and they don't act like your peer, it's it's very uncomfortable to be treated in a way of like, you know, you're on a pedestal or something. Like it's a, it's an uncomfortable thing to be I would treated. say though, don't act like you already know them. No, don't do that. Because we've made that yeah, mistake too, where sure. you just kind of assume you know this person and that you you kind of forget about the pleasantry of introducing yourself. No, but like- I always appreciate yeah, when people yeah, like- I, introduce I, themselves. I agree with that. What I'm saying is like someone who comes up, who's like a creative person themselves and is like, Hey, I really like how you did this thing. Mm -hmm. That was really dope. Then I'm like, Oh, you, you're a creative person who sees what I am doing and sees the value in what I'm doing. Now I'm curious, what do you do? Yeah. Cause you were able to see something mm -hmm. that I associate only with, you know, the type of people I hang out with or type of people I want to talk to. So now we're peers because you just recognize part of my work that I think is exclusive to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. It's mm -hmm. like, had we, you know, when we chat with other creators, as we've gotten more and more comfortable with it, like I, to me, it's just like talking about stuff that I'm excited to talk about, which is like how they're doing their work. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that gets me excited. And then that turns you into peers with someone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Hopefully that was helpful to Colin and Samir from the future or the past? I don't know. Did you guys introduce yourselves? No, I just said so. Colin and Samir, right? Yeah, you yeah. said, hey, Colin and okay. Samir. Well, by the way, filming in a car, fantastic. Highly recommend. Definitely. Looks so great. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. Looks great. Sounds great. Okay, this question comes from Tyler Balcom. He says, why isn't creator support behind a paywall? It feels like this would be a perfect paywalled asset for you guys. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think like we wanted to, it was first an audio show. We wanted to bring it to video. Um, there was definitely a full thought of like, let's put this behind a paywall. Um, and, you know, I think there still is. That's like still interesting to me. I like the concept of having it be funded by the community. Um, I'm just curious, like from everyone who's listening and watching, like what's your reaction to that? And what would be comfortable? Would it be like we split these episodes in half and half of them are, you know, like it's a 20 minute episode on YouTube and, and podcast and the remainder is somewhere else is in an additional episode. Like what, what is exciting to you? Uh, and, and where do you see the value if you were to pay monthly for this? Yeah. I like the idea of having a community funded show Yeah, and a place for the community to air directly what they like, what they don't like, yeah, and yeah, sort of totally. let that dictate Agreed. a little bit of where the show goes. Mm hmm and not have it be so algorithmic. And I think we are kind of building that yeah. here. You and I, I think are just, we come from an advertising background. We're very yeah. comfortable with advertising partnerships. You're many times dealing with one client mm -hmm. instead of 
4,000, yeah. 10,000. Yeah, 10,000 customers. You know, yeah. Exactly. Paying yeah. members. Yeah. Paying members. So I think we have a little bit of fear around yeah, trying something new. Totally. And just inexperience with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I'm super open to it. I like the concept of it um, mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, I do want to acknowledge the last thing that um, on the first question about Mental Health Month was bonus points of ad revenues donated to a mental health related cause. Like I'd love to donate to a mental health related cause. I'd love some ideas as to where to donate. Yeah. I don't know where to donate. My wife is a therapist. Maybe she can give she us some ideas. Idea. She <laughs> might have some good ideas, um, but I'm a huge proponent of it. Um, and I did want to acknowledge that. I don't think I said this when we were doing it, but like one of the most helpful things as a creator is to find a group of people going through the same thing and uh, an open space to like share what you're going through. Uh, or like just the highs and lows of what you're doing. Anytime we've been in a group of creators, it's been like so refreshing to be like, oh man, you feel that way too. So um, I urge you to to find that. You might be able to find that uh, through the the subreddit. You might be able to find that in the discord that we're going to be launching uh, this month. Um, So yeah, that is my advice to you. All right. If you have questions, you can put them here on YouTube. If you're listening, you can tweet them at us. You can send them through uh, the subreddit. You Mm -hmm. can send them through a DM to us. Uh, Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know your questions. All right, see you next week.